talks about our blessings and our burdens of life. Let's look at Romans 8, 28. And we know, we don't have to guess, we don't have to hope for it. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, reading that verse, it doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is going to be good. It just doesn't. We all have different perspectives of looking at things, and, and that's okay. As we look back over all of the days of our life, we can look at it as either being something positive, or we can look at it as something being negative. We can look back with regret. Or we can look back with rejoicing. It all depends on the way you're going to look at it. There are, th- there are those who, if I set a glass here with water in it, some of you would look at it and say, that glass is half full. Then some of you would say that that glass is half empty. I think about the little rhyme that I read. It said, two men looked through the bars of their cell... One saw the mud, the other saw the stars. You you know, our perspective is definitely important, but it's more than just your perspective. It's God's perspective. And let me tell you something. While there is bad things that happen to godly people, there are difficult circumstances and trials and health issues, financial disasters that happen to us. Understand this, that God never gives us, and believe it or not, sometimes I want to bite my tongue for saying this, but he never gives us the opportunity to go through a temptation or a trial, which he doesn't send temptation on us, but a trial or a test or something that makes us feel very uncomfortable that it isn't him saying, now look, if you look for me in this, I'll show myself. I'll show you in this and I will bless you. Even though you you may count it a burden for a moment, I'll show you ultimately the blessing in it. The story I told is of two buckets. One bucket was an optimist. The other one was a pessimist. The pessimist said as he approached the well, there never had... There has never been a life as disappointing as mine. I've never come away from from the full, but what I have to return empty again. The optimist said, as he approached the well, there has never been a life as happy as mine, and I never come to, to the well empty, but that I go away full again. You see, so often, if you're not careful, what happens in your life you will immediately get out your legal size sheet of paper, list it 1 to 50, and list all the burdens in your life. Ignoring the blessings. Ignoring what God has already done. Now, I don't know why we're like that, but probably a high percentage of us are here today 
And we want to focus, we want to dwell on poor old me. Why I can't do this or why I can't do that or why I can't expect God to do something in my life or why does this church keep talking about money or why does this church want to get out of debt? Well, if you haven't read your Bible, we're supposed to do those things. I mean, come on. It's not like something we ought to be satisfied with. Two men went to church on the Sunday the same day. One heard the organist miss a note and began immediately to criticize. He saw a teenager talking when everybody else was had their head bowed and praying. <laughs> Wonder how he well anyway, and began to criticize. He felt like the usher was watching him as he put his offering in the plate and it aggravated him. He caught the preacher making a slip. Then this one you'll catch more than five in a given sermon. As he walked out, he said to himself, what good does it do for me to even come to church anyway? The other man heard the organist play and heard the band play in the arrangement as what you heard today and was thrilled by the majesty of it all. Moved by a young girl who gave her testimony and told how her faith had made a difference in her life. He was glad that when he was able to, they received the offering to give the offering for missions. And he especially appreciated the sermon for it answered a question that had bothered him for a long time. As he left the service that day, he said to himself, how can anyone come here and not feel the presence of the Lord? Both men went to the same church, attended the same service, but each of them found what they were looking for. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The reason your life may be as it is is because that's exactly what you're looking for. Now, understand this. I know for a fact that life's not easy. As I stood 4 o'clock last night, Praying to God Almighty, I did not say the wrong thing, to Jonna and Damon Townley of their son, who've been plastered all over this area on the news and on the TV channel where he was shot and killed. Yes, he was making wrong decisions and criticize it all you want to, but let me ask you a question. You ever made a wrong decision? You ever rebelled in your life? Thank God you didn't get killed. Many of us want to, we need to just say, God, thank you for when I was, I remember when I was six years old. Don't remember much more, but I can remember that. It's about six or seven. And I walked down the aisle of a church. And the pastor, I don't remember anything about other than signing a card. And they voted me in the, the church. And, and I thought, boy, that's fun. I was baptized, and I thought, I'm on my way to heaven until a Sunday night when I was 16 years old, smoking dope like a fool. I was in church Wednesday night, too. If you don't think that don't trip you out, listen to the preacher preaching, hell, fire, and bread, stone, stone, that, that's crazy. It's insane. But that night, I happened to be in my right mind. 
All of a sudden, God spoke to me and said, boy, you need to get saved. All of a sudden, I dropped my head. I thought I was saved. I thought I knew Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is what I believe about all this because I don't want anybody in this church ever to miss heaven because you misunderstand the plan that Jesus laid out. But the plan he laid out is clear as a bell. I had heard it and I knew it, but I, I haven't received Jesus. See? And that night, some of you would probably be scared to death if the Holy Spirit began to speak to you today like he spoke to me that night. But he said, I want you to get up, tell the whole congregation every sin you're committing right now. I said, you got to be kidding. Now, at the end of the service, I understood why. A young girl, and I know her name, got saved that night. Let me tell you something. I had an encounter with God that night. At a set, can, Mike, do you believe that a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old can be saved? I sure do. But I'll tell you this, at 16, I understood sin better than I understood it at age seven. But I understood something else. I had to confess Jesus with my mouth, and I had to ask him, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that I had to receive that gift into my life. And my friend, if you haven't done that, you're not saved. If you haven't invited Jesus Christ into your life, you're lost. No wonder you're getting mad when we talk about money. Every time I read anything in the Bible about anything about my finances or anything helping me, I get all excited. But I realize that in a Baptist church on an average Sunday, they don't get too excited about that. Yes, it's true. Some of you can look back right now on your trials and you've become bitter. You're mad and you're bitter for what's happened to you in the past. But it doesn't have to stay that way. You can release that, and bless God, you should. Romans 8 in the, says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. The story of a man walking along the road one day, and all of a sudden he saw this Indian lying down on the side of the road, and it appeared that his head was listening. And as he went up to that Indian and he heard him speaking in broken English, he leaned over to hear the Indian mumbling words like truck, Chevy truck, Chevy pickup truck, large tires, man driving, German shepherd in front seat, loaded with firewood, California license plates, UBH123. That man was so astounded. He looked at that Indian and said, that's unbelievable. You mean to tell me you can see every bit of that just by listening to the ground? The Indian said, no, truck ran over me 30 minutes ago. (laughs) Now, look, you know what it's like to get run over by a situation. You know what it's like to get slam dunk when life deals something. Out of the bag of a test that God already knows all about it. 
So don't get mad at him. He sent it your way for a blessing. Not to, not to blow you up, not to tear you apart, but to draw you closer to him. Well, I believe that we need to be encouraged from this verse of at least three things. One is to remember that God's, remember God's promise to you. Notice what Paul says. He starts out, he says, we are the ones, who are the we? It is us if we love God. The we are those that are saved. The we are the ones who are trusting God and they believe in the God. Look, there are only two types of people in this world. Those who love God and those who don't. There are those who are born again and saved and those that are lost and don't know it. Only two kinds. Jesus said in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. In other words, people who truly love God don't just say it, they show it. My wife reminds me of that all the time. Not all the time. But, but she say, you know what? If you really love me, you women have never done this, I don't think. But if you really love me, you're telling your husband, show it. And we get there and go, huh? What are you talking about? I am showing it. Oh, because you bring a paycheck home. Well, you would bring a paycheck home whether you married her or not. Because it's in us that those that want to work. And know that we should work. You see, not everybody can say, don't worry about everything and that everything is going to work out. You say, why? Because if you don't love God and you're not saved, I got news for you. Everything may not ever work out for you. And I'll tell you this. Some of you may get offended and say, well, you know what? I know I'm not saved, but things have been going pretty good in my life. You ain't dead yet. And when you die... And you, you're, you're faced with Luke 16 that Jesus taught. Well, now, you know, Mike, that's just the parable. Yeah, that's a heavenly meaning, but it's an earthly story, and that's the truth. And hell is real. If hell isn't real, why are we worrying about starting churches? If hell isn't real, why are we worried about growing? If hell's not real, why do we worry about telling other people about Jesus? We do that because hell is real. There is a real burning fire. Yeah, it's real. You say, preacher, don't scare me. I, well, you need to be awake because the Bible teaches these things. It's important how you and I look at it. So we are the called, those who have surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus and become Children of God. Then he uses the second word. He says, no. Paul says, we know that all things work together for good. In verse 26, he says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Look, there are some things I guess that we may not know. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But I know, 1 John 5, that I have eternal life. Why? Because I saved me? No, because Jesus saved me. 
Because he came into my heart and my life at age 16. Because I, was it because I got up and told everybody about my sins? No. It was because I received Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, the free gift that I did not deserve of salvation. And his name is Jesus. Look, Jesus never intended on ritual a righteousness. He never interned, he, he never in, uh, determined on legalism, anything that you might do for you to be saved. The only way can we can ever get right and get ready to take flight is for Jesus to be right here on the inside through the Comforter, through the Holy Spirit. You say, Mike, I, I just don't believe you can know that you have eternal life. I, I had a couple, I told you about Jehovah Witness come into my house and, and I said, well, I'm going to try again. And I knew I was going to get upset if I wasn't careful. And I knew what I told them what I, and showed them in the Bible what I believed, they were going to get upset and all that happened. And I tried with the love of Jesus, but when somebody stands up, you, you, you just cannot know whether you're going to heaven or not. I said, I'll tell you what, my brother. I believe in the Word of God, and I believe in Jesus, and I believe in this verse, 1 John 5.13 says, These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I heard our preacher preach, so I should have known that I was lost, but it wasn't until the Holy Spirit convicted me and showed me, Mike, you're lost. And undone. You could have talked to you blue in the face. And many died, many tried. Many tried to get me not to do this and not to do that. And I wasn't listening because I was enjoying my flesh. Until the Holy Spirit showed up on a Sunday night. I, could, <clears throat> I can take you to the church and show you the pew. I don't know what day it was. You know, some people say, well, you need, and I do. If you get saved, write it down. Put it in your Bible so the Satan won't bring it back. But I know that night. I don't know who the woman that punched me was. She said, you need to wake up. I said, ma'am, I'm awake. She said, what you doing? I said, I'm praying. What you praying about? I said, I'll tell you in a minute. The third word is all. We know that all things work together. All things work together for our good. This verse did not say that God works all things out for our good most of the time. Nor does it say that God works most things out for our good all the time. It says that God works all things out together for our good all the time. Now, I've got that confidence in my God. Now, don't get me wrong. I look at a bunch of things sometimes that he puts me through, and I'm scratching my head, and I'm going, Lord Jesus, I want to worry about this. Ain't no worries in the house today, is there? Got any worriers today? When there's no money to pay for a bill. What do you, and, and some of you say, well, I don't have that problem, but some of you do. <laughs> some of you go, oh, God, what am I going to do here? And then all of a sudden, God just comes through. It doesn't say that we will see that all things work together either for good. But you can know it whether you see it or not. 
Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it can't, he can't see it. And never doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. Don't doubt it. Second of all, remember God's providence over you. God works all things together for good. Every promise of God is the providence of God. You say, well, what is that? What's the word providence? That sounds Presbyterian. Providence means, comes from two words. Pro, which means before. Vidence means to see. Providence simply means to see beforehand and to provide what is seen. The providence of God simply means that God sees every event before it occurs and provides for that event and makes sure that it fits into his plan for your life. He's in control of that. You're not. The Bible says in verse 20, 29, it is through the foreknowledge of God that he did predestinate. Now, my Calvinist friends, and I have a few, I don't agree with them, but I still, they're friends. They just can't come and teach in this church because I don't believe in Calvinism. I don't believe that God pre-ordered and determined, and his will is that he is going to send you, some of you to heaven and some of you to hell. Why, do you, why don't you believe that? Because John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, now here's the word, for whosoever. What's that mean? It doesn't mean that God has pre-ordered some to be saved and some to be lost. We have a choice in the matter. And that choice is whosoever will may come. Second Corinthians or Second Peter chapter three verse nine. It says that it is God's will that that it's His will that all men be saved. Now we already know all men aren't being saved, right? So is God a liar? No. He knows that there'll be people that won't choose Him. Why? Because He has providence. He has. Foreknowledge. What's that mean? He knows everything you're going to do and I'm going to do. He knows all our thoughts before we think it. But his will does not predetermine or make you do anything. You have an opportunity when the Holy Spirit convicts you to make a decision. I've said this before and I think I'm accurate. Because there are a few people in here that have gone through what I've gone through and that is doubting your salvation. Man, I had, I've been, I used to be so plagued with that until I realized two words. It's called conviction, and the second word is confusion. If you're confused about your salvation, you very well might be saved. Where does confusion come from? Not the Father, it comes from Satan. He is the Father of confusion. So, but. If you know without a shadow of a doubt and you're convicted that you are undone without Jesus, he's not on the inside, you need to get saved. Seek out counsel for confusion. But conviction, you don't need counsel. You just need to get saved. You need to respond and not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. You see... There are no accidents when it comes to the life of a child of God, just appointments. 
So often you may be going through disappointments that are really his appointments. A man was on a boat and had a shipwreck, and he was on an island all by himself. He was there for a week or two, and he was praying and asking God, please deliver him. The only thing he had was a few belongings that he had off of the shore that he drug up, and he built this little hut. And one night he was out looking for food, and and when he came back, he said, oh, my goodness. He saw this big smokestack coming up, and he ran to his village where his little hut was, and it was on fire. His campfire had blown and caught his hut on fire, and everything he owned was burned up right then. Well, needless to say, he began to cry. God, why have you allowed this to happen? I don't have anything now. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for somebody to deliver me. And nobody has. Cried himself to sleep. The story goes next day he woke up. He heard something. And it happened to be men. His prayer had been answered. They they showed up. And he said, how did you know I was on this island? He said, we saw your smoke message. What looked like his end, his disaster, it looked like such a major catastrophe was actually the very thing that signaled his, deli- his deliverance. So be careful. Now, who are you telling this to? Mike Franklin's who I'm telling this to. I don't like change. Do you? I don't like the change that we're having to go through, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that I've heard it through the people of this church. God is going to do something. I accept that. But by my nature, in my flesh, I'm no different than many of you. I ain't careful, I'll be worrying about it. And so, rather than spend the time and energy of worrying about it, I need to pray about it and give it to God. It's God's anyway, right? I mean, isn't this church supposed to be God's? (laughs) Maybe I need to release it. God, I'll give it back to you. Well, I've been here 27 years, I mean... Maybe I've gotten lost. Not lost. But I forget. And I think sometimes that's what happens to us. We get rolled over by a Chevy truck. Could be a Ford truck. You know, you have to fix them and take care of them all the time. That's what I have. And sometimes we just forget. But some of you have been so blessed. Your life hadn't been put to a challenge. I looked at that family last night, and I thought, oh, how blessed. I know where my two boys are. One of my boys is on the stage. The other one, I believe, has a call call of God's life sometime on his life. I got grandkids we got to pray through. But I love them to death. And I have been, and I do. I pray for them as, as often as I can. 
Think about it this way. Every moment of every day is one individual piece of a puzzle of God's plan for your life. God can reach into his bag of circumstances on any day. With his eyes shut, pull out any piece and make it fit perfectly in the puzzle of the plan he has for your life. Now, some of you have gone through some change here. And you know what I'm talking about. And you got a little concerned. Maybe you got a little knee-knocking nervous. But has God deserted you? I, I think God's on call 24-7 for you and me that love God and that are called. And then the third thing, remember God's purpose for you. The purpose that God has for you at, 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 that the end result of your entire life will be good. As a matter of fact, it's going to be great. A guy named Domingo had headed off to the airport and had a major flat tire in his Cadillac out on the expressway. He was in Florida, and he was trying to catch his flight. Man, it was hot. He was out there changing that tire. Finally, after an hour, he was on his way to the airport and got a, cell, uh, uh, a phone call from his mother. He said, he said, where are you at? He said, well, I just fixed a flat tire, and I'm heading to the airport, and I've missed my flight. And you know what she said? Turn your radio on and thank God. The flight that you were booked on, ValueJet 592, just hit the Everglades, and it looks like everybody was killed. You know something? I don't like flat tires, but I've learned something. If I'm going down the expressway and something weird, y'all have just had that day when something, just stuff weird happened to you? Thank God. Something you just got saved from. I'll never forget there was one particular episode that had, there was, it was just, I don't know what it was, but I couldn't get where I wanted to go. And by the time I got there, I saw why. Man, there were dead bodies everywhere. I could have been one of those. Now, sometimes the end of your life is going to catch up with you. And you're going to die. I said this last night to the group of people and a lot of teens that needed to hear it. Your heart is only going to beat so many beats. I know y'all don't think about that now. Your lungs is only going to breathe so many breaths. And some of you cut some of that short. And then you're going to die. The purpose of God is that we all come out of these vessels at some point in time and go to be with him. But let me remind you. Some of you think you got it all figured out. Just make sure that in your calculation and in your plan, it's Jesus and him crucified his blood was perfect blood the sacrifice he made for you was a perfect sacrifice and there's no other blood that will be shed for your sacrifice that's going to get you to where jesus is except his you got to go by the way of the cross john 14 6 says i am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except that he come through 
me. I'm sure all of us watch television and, <clears throat> and you listen to a lot of the faith evangelists, and, and, and that's okay. But I want to tell you something. Real faith is not getting what you want from God. Real faith is accepting what you're given by God and praising Him just the same. You see, there are Christians who are terminally ill and they're going to die. So God doesn't necessarily say the greatest height of our faith is healing our body. Some of you are the poorest of all poor and the richest of all rich, but, but I got news for you. That's no real height of being, having great faith because you've got a lot of money. Great faith is when you and I get in trouble and when we escape that trouble and our eyes still stay focused on God. I, I, I'm always reminded of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thrown in the fire. Look, some of you have been thrown in the fire. You're in the fire right now. I think about old Daniel in the lion's den. And some of you have been thrown among the lions. Real faith is enduring that kind of trouble, knowing that God is just watching and hoping and praying and doing everything he can to to fulfill our purpose. You say, what is our purpose? It's in the rest of it in 29. Through the foreknowledge of God, he did predestinate us to do what? To be conformed To the image of Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. That is going to happen. You're going to not only be like Jesus, you have an inheritance that Jesus, the book of Rome tells us, that, that we have. We're the children of God. But on this earth, we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through difficulty. We're going to face obstacles. And the purpose is that so that we would be conformed. Not to the image of our flesh, but to the image of Jesus. And I I got news for you. That's only come in my life through trouble. Not that I want to manufacture it. (laughs) Not that I'm going to run out and sin, get in the middle of something like that. Don't want to do that. Trouble just has a way of finding us. Because Satan don't like you. Remember what I said two or three messages ago? He hates your guts. He doesn't care for you. He doesn't care for your ministry. He doesn't care that you're a believer. He doesn't care that you witness. He doesn't care that you give. He could care less that you're in a church service. don't care. But God does. And he cares so much that he sent Jesus to die for your sin and mine. And that... At age 16, when the Holy Spirit convicted me that I needed him. And I received him. And I've been following him. Jesus said, my sheep 
hear my voice. And this is, gosh, this is the most important words in all the Bible. I know them. You want to know if you're really saved? Does Jesus know you? Does he know you? Because if you're not, if you haven't accepted him, you haven't received his gift, you don't know him, and he don't know you.